And if we could pray together once more before I lead you through this little exercise this morning, would you bow with me? Father, would you please stir your Holy Spirit among us during these few moments as we prepare for communion and think about these questions from your word? Would you guide us? Would you give us wisdom and insight? Would you give us each some spiritual gift to contribute to build up this church, your church, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Uh, We've been talking a ton about being the church together over the last two years, really, and a little bit before that, and I am convinced that there is no more important thing to be a part of than the church. You might one day work in the White House, and that still will not be more important than being part of the church. You might uh, get on the, to be part of the Panthers football team, and that still will not be more important than being part of the church. The Bible, in talking about the church, it never sets forth a pithy definition of the church. Instead, it gives these metaphors for the church to help us understand it, because the church is this mysteriously glorious entity, this thing that we're a part of. So I'm just mentioning them briefly. It calls the church the bride of Christ. When Jesus returns, he is returning to receive to himself the church, us, and all the other churches, the same way a groom comes to receive his bride on his wedding day. It talks about the church as a living temple, where each one of us is like a living stone being put into place, building this living temple where God's presence dwells in in a special, mysterious way. Uh, It talks about us in terms of the kingdom. And Paul says that uh, we're ambassadors for Christ, and it gets the picture that the church is sort of an embassy of the kingdom of God here and now. And I've mentioned before, it's not an embassy from a foreign kingdom, it's an embassy from a future kingdom. The future kingdom, that whole culture of the kingdom of God is lived out in the relationships we share with each other in the church now, which is awesome. I mean, we could think about that all day long. It talks about it as the flock of God, as Jesus, the good shepherd, and then we're the sheep of his pasture, the household of God, like a family of God. Jesus said uh, that those who follow him are more kindred than biological families are because our kinship, our brotherhood, will last into eternity, whereas family is more of a temporary structure for this age. It talks about us as the body of Christ, And we've talked a great deal about that over the last couple of years, that Jesus is not here physically like he was during his time on earth that we read in the Gospels, but he is here physically in the sense that the church is his body. We are the body of Jesus Christ to do his work in the world now. It's awesome. It's amazing to be part of the church. And what's even more amazing is we don't just get to be part of the church as sinful as we are as sinful as I am, we don't just get to be part of the church. We get to be part of the work of the church. He actually plans for us to be carrying out the work that he has ordained in this world together. Uh, I was thinking back to when I was a kid and we would haul firewood. We, our household and my grandfather's household across the field, we heated our home with firewood. And so throughout the year, we would have to go and chop down trees and saw them up and chop the wood and stack it and all that stuff. And my brother and I would go with my dad and my grandpa for as long as I can remember. 
but my brother's five years older than me, and for the longest time, I really couldn't contribute anything to the work of hauling firewood. I would just sort of sit in the truck, and then eventually I got a little bit older, and I could drag some of the light uh, brush away to get it out of the way, and then I got a little bit bigger, and I could actually start to help with the work, and it was such a good feeling to be with my grandfather, my father, my older brother, and actually be contributing to this work and not just, you know, sitting in the truck. And the, the really cool thing about being a Christian is we all get to contribute. There are no spectators in God's design for the church. We get to contribute. Each one of you has a unique and essential role in the church. Now, you're not ultimate. It's, it's ultimately the work of Jesus Christ through us for the glory of the Father. So it's not all about us, but we are essential. You've been put in this arrangement on purpose, and you have a job to do. So how does one find their place in the church? That's what we're after this morning. Taking a break from Genesis, we just want to think together, how can we find our place in the church? Now, one way to go about discovering these things is spiritual gifts tests. We did one last summer during our Sunday evening gatherings. Has, who here has done a spiritual gifts test? Okay, a lot of us have done those. Those are helpful, just sort of thought exercises, just to kind of stir up our thinking about what the Spirit may have gifted us to do. They have some flaws. There's some reasons why I'm not real keen on them, even though I have done them with you. What I want to do with you this morning isn't a spiritual gifts test. It's more just teaching us to think biblically about these things. And so I have eight statements. You have it in, a, uh, in your bulletin. I hope everybody has a little half sheet with these eight statements on there. I have these eight statements for you that we're going to work through together. And this isn't really a sermon this week. It's a little abnormal, but we are going to read Scripture and we are going to respond to it together. I'm going to lead you through these eight statements. And my hope is, I think that there are many among us who are not fully engaged in the work of the church because they're not really sure where and what that would look like. And I also think that there are folks who are over-engaged. They're stretched in 15 different directions trying to make a lot of things happen. And it's, it's becoming kind of burdensome and uh, taxing. And so I think as we can start to engage some of those who are wanting to but aren't, we can also free some of those folks that are maybe doing more than they need to, more than they should. So here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of wipe the slate clean and dream together a little bit, pretend that this is not uh, a church that has been around for well over 100 years with lots of structures in place. Pretend that just for this morning, this is a church plant. And this is our first Sunday gathering together. And praise the Lord, look at all these people that God has blessed us with on our very first Sunday. And we want to minister together as a church. But before we can do that, we need to get a sense of how the Holy Spirit has gifted the individuals that he has brought together into this church. And so we're going to think through these eight statements just to get an idea of what we as individuals feel called to, drawn to. So feel free just to, to write your kind of gut reactions on these. Now, I am going to ask for these from you when you go, and I do hope that you'll write down your answers. This is not committing you to anything at all. It's going to help me think about how to pastor you better. It's going to help me get a little bit maybe more of a sense of the things that you feel called to. 
So I hope this is going to help you think, and you may want to take some notes on a separate sheet of paper if you have a scrap of paper or an offering envelope you can grab and use for notes. But I I do want you to write your, your answers on here. So we're just going to kind of work through these together. Do not feel pressure. Do not feel like this is going to decide your destiny in the church forever. This is just a little thought experiment to help us think. Okay, so feel free to write whatever. And um, yeah, don't, don't feel any pressure about it. So the first one comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. And I'll read that for us. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. This chapter is like the go-to chapter about spiritual gifts. And I'm just going to read these couple of verses. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the idea is that each Christian has been given this manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit somehow empowering each Christian to do their unique part for the common good of the church. So the statement there that I'd like us to consider is simple. It would be good for our people if I, what comes to mind? It would be spiritually good. It would be spiritually advantageous for our people if I... Fill in the blank. It would be spiritually good and beneficial for our people if I fill in the blank. I'll have some examples for each of these for you to help you think. Uh, This passage actually gives some, if you read on down, it mentions some of the ways that the Spirit was helping the Corinthian Christians operate. Some of them it was speaking words of wisdom to each other, words of knowledge, uh, some of them, it was just having a, an extraordinarily deep faith. So the, the list down deeper in that passage, as you're thinking about it, talks about um, some really spiritual-sounding things like gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, a lot of things that seem lofty and very spiritual. And I, I do believe the Lord can empower any of those things. But I wanted to point out, I don't know if you realize this, in my devotional reading this week in Exodus, I think the first time that it explicitly says the Holy Spirit empowered someone for service among the people of God, it's a guy named Bezalel who was a craftsman. So in that time, what God wanted people to be doing was building a physical tabernacle. And so he he's filled with his Holy Spirit unto that work, a craftsman who could do all kinds of hands-on labor toward that end. So whatever comes to your mind that the Spirit might prompt you to do for the good of the people. Uh, I've got some examples uh, from our church that I'll point out. These are taken randomly, so if I don't point you out, don't feel like it's because I don't appreciate you. Um, But uh, I was thinking about Ethan Walsh. Uh, He often takes the lead in our youth discussions on Wednesday nights, when, when we throw out a discussion question, you know, it can feel a little uncomfortable, not necessarily want to be the first one to speak up. Often Ethan does speak up first, and he's one of the older ones in the group. And I don't know if he thinks about it in these terms, but that's something that he does for the common good. It really benefits the whole group that he's willing to take that first step. Uh, I thought about B. Williams. 
As another example, she's not even able to be with us because uh, she had become homebound and now lives in Florida in a nursing home, but she still checks in with people on Facebook. Uh, B. Williams is like a millennial on Facebook checking in with people, but that's something that she does for the common good. So don't feel like this has to be these big, like, fireworks acts of service. It's whatever comes to mind that you might do to benefit the common good of the people. Mitchell Williams always remembers everybody's birthday, and I think that benefits us. I think think that's an act of his service. Uh, You might... Um, as you're thinking, you might think, you know, I could, I could maybe help create signage so when people show up at the church, they know where to go. You may not realize every time a new person comes here, they think that the youth building is the main church. And they get out and they walk to the church and try the door and it doesn't open. And then they figure out, oh, no, it's up here. Maybe that's something that you could do for the common good. Maybe you realize that a lot of our men aren't terribly connected to the church or Christian relationships, and so you feel like, well, that's something I can do is just intentionally uh, reach out to my fellow men in the church and try to create some relationships there. I'm handy like Bezalel. Maybe I can get to know some of our elderly folks a little better and be listening for things, handyman sort of stuff that I can do that can benefit them. could be anything. So we're going to go through all eight of these because I think they each will maybe help you think about it from a slightly different perspective. You may have some repeat answers, but the next one comes from 1 Corinthians 12.25. Here Paul is describing that how we are the body of Christ, and as he explains it, he has this statement. He says, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So as part of the same body, we are to care for each other. So the statement here, and this is another kind of creative way to think of it, but if I was put on an official committee of spiritual caretakers responsible for the spiritual well-being of our people, I would fill in the blank. Just kind of imagine if, so the nominating committee is beginning their work, and they, they call you and say, you've been unanimously voted in, and you have no choice in the matter. The whole church voted you in to this spiritual caretaking committee, and now you are charged with caring for the church family. What can you contribute to that? Again, he goes on and gives some examples how this worked itself out in the Corinthian church. They had apostles and prophets and teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, but then some more things that we might consider mundane, helping administrating, various kinds of tongues, all kinds of different things. could be uh, helping with baby showers to help the folks with new babies know that they are cared for and to encourage them off on the right foot. Uh, could be like uh, Larry Baker always helps us by making sure the van is going to safely get us there whenever we're taking the youth on retreats and things like that. Uh, it could be like any of our Sunday school teachers who put in time preparing lessons and teach. Could just be being present. Could be listening. Maybe you're someone who feels that you could open your home, maybe systematically, once a week or once a month, to have families over for dinner so that you could kind of care for them and get to know them better. Or maybe you're musically gifted and you feel like that's a way I can care for the church is get involved musically. Okay, the third one, a page over, comes from 1 Corinthians 14, 12. 
Here, Paul is dealing with the fact that the Corinthian Christians are arguing over who has the cooler gifts. Some of them say, well, I speak in tongues, so I'm cooler than you. And some of them say, well, I have a gift of prophecy, so I'm cooler than you. And they're picking favorites, and it's a big mess. And as he's trying to sort it out, he says this in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 14. It says, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. And that's one reason why I went with this approach rather than a spiritual gifts test. I think we discover our place when we apply ourselves to trying to build up the church. I think we start to figure out what we're good at and what we can do that's helpful. So the statement here, I think one of the best contributions that I can make to the spiritual progress of our church would be to fill in the blank. Now, you may be in a life situation like uh, some of our parents of very young children, like Daniel and Brittany or Will and Katie, where your best contribution right now is doing a good job of caring for your newborn child. And that's you're parenting them and praying over them and uh, starting to figure out a way to kind of bring them to church, to be part of the church family. And that may be your contribution right now. It might be someone like Norma in a different stage of her life who's finding other ways to contribute. She uh, oversees the prayer chain email that many of you probably get, which is an extremely helpful contribution. She's also on our official board as a clerk. It might be some acts of service. It may be that you would like to mentor younger men or younger women in the faith. You may be called to be a teacher. Your contribution, you may feel the best thing would be systematically praying for our people every day as part of your devotions. Once we get these new directories, which are on the way, you may systematically be praying for people, and that could be an important contribution. Fourth one comes a couple of books over in Galatians 6.2. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one, another, one another's burdens. It's the idea of carrying the heavy weights that someone else is carrying to give them some relief. So the statement's there are twofold. Thinking about our people, I realize that some are burdened with what? What comes to mind when you think about our people, and you can actually think about the ones you see here, what burdens are you aware of that some people are carrying? What's the first thing that comes to mind? And then the second part, one thing that I could do to help them with this would be to fill in the blank. The burdens that he mentions in Galatians around this passage are some people are burdened by struggling with sin. Some are weary from doing good, and they're discouraged. You may look around and see, I feel like people, there are people who are grieving and mourning because of lost loved ones. And then as you think about what you could do, it could just be as simple as spending some time with them, just going and sitting with them and listening to them, being someone that they can talk to about their loved one that they have lost. You may realize that there's a lot of people around who are burdened with financial concerns. And maybe you are blessed right now not to be in that situation, but are in a pretty strong financial position. And you may find that what you can do to alleviate that burden is to give 
Maybe give anonymously or somehow or just get in touch and see what you can do to help. You may look around and see there's a lot of people who are sick or struggling with the complications of aging. Or you might notice that there's people who seem lonely or isolated and feel there's something you can do. Check in with them, help with tasks around their house, something like that. I'll highlight uh, Mike and Denise Boston's help on Wednesday nights with the kids. The kids are not a burden, but it does relieve the parents to where they can be fully present for their Bible studies. And that is a, an act of service that I really appreciate. Um, this isn't directly within our church, but I don't know if you guys realize, Cassie Hagler has always had a really soft heart for people with special needs and has often sought out ways to work with those folks and care for them, which is really cool. Lee Jones goes to the nursing home most Sundays and plays music and ministers to those folks there. There's all kinds of different ways that could show itself. The next one, the fifth one, comes from Ephesians chapter 4. This is just a powerhouse passage. We, I've probably read it 50 times over the last year. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's an awesome passage. The statement from this one to help us think about our place in the church. One of the most helpful things I could do to continually remind our people of the gospel would be to fill in the blank. Now, this is important because we don't just want to do nice things for one another because anyone can do that. We are Christians, and we always want to keep the gospel central in our ministry to each other. One of the most helpful things I could do to continually remind our people of the gospel would be to... This is how we help each other trust in Jesus more deeply, how we help each other get to know Jesus more closely, how we help each other become more like Jesus. And it can take many forms. It doesn't have to be up here with a microphone. Um, Terry Tucker helps me every month to send out birthday cards to everybody. It just gives me a little gospel touch point with, with everybody associated with our church that we know their birthdays. And I can write a little gospel reminder in there. So she's not actually the one communicating it, but she's helping me to do it. Um, uh, my son Elias has been inviting people to youth quite a bit lately, and that's a way of helping. So he's not the one in youth directly communicating the gospel. Kara and Isaac are down there with them right now. But he's doing his part by helping others to come and hear it. Uh, Kara is part of the youth team. I'll mention another example. And She's down there. She's not usually doing the primary teaching, but she's there to help guide it and to be a female presence there for the female teenagers who come. 
And that's an important part of the picture as well. So as you think about this, what could I do to continually remind our people of the gospel? You may be drawn to relationships. It might be, well, I can, I can pursue and establish a couple of more relationships with other people in this church so that I can make sure they remember the gospel. It could be more technical. Uh, it could be, you know, I would like to, to become an expert on the sound board so I could be a backup for David and Tom and uh, make sure Matt's mic isn't all fuzzy up here. I can help in that way. Or uh, like, like the carpenters and Blake building those acoustic panels so that it's not as echoey in there. Like, there's just all kinds of varieties of gifts needed for this all to function. Or it might be that you do need to learn how to teach and preach because God maybe is calling you to that kind of gospel ministry. What comes to mind when you think about what you can do to make sure the people of this church don't forget the gospel? Next one, the sixth one, Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 7. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is another reason why I took this approach with you this morning. I think we figure ourselves out better when we stop thinking about ourselves and start looking at the people around us and how we can serve them. I think that's how we actually find ourselves in our role. So the statement here, it would be in our people's best interest if I served them by fill in the blank. Could be like Lynn Carpenter serving in the nursery today, Lynn and Marie, the young kids. Could be like Sandy and be more of an overseeing kind of position. She oversees our music. Could be like Martha who participates in the BCE and does her part as part of a team to care for our children's Christian education. It could be as simple as being present in Sunday school, so when you have an opportunity, you can speak up and contribute in that way. That is extremely helpful. It could be that you see it would, would be helpful, an act of service, to be here early to greet people as they come in. You might be really good at hugging people. I think about Sue Connor and her hugs. And I think that that is helpful <laughs> if, you're, if you're somebody that can just give really good hugs and make people feel welcomed and connected and loved. It may be that your best way of serving to the best interest of others is praying for them, taking Norma's uh, prayer emails very seriously and really praying. Maybe you're good at writing and you would like to study more deeply and write. We have a church blog that has plenty of room for your contributions if that's the case. You might be really good at organizing, and you might need to get involved with some of our events and our ministry endeavors so you can help us get organized and make it happen. The seventh one, Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Only two more to go. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, 
that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we are all lifeguards here at this pool. We are all responsible for one another that we don't drift away. So when one of us drifts away, I bear a unique responsibility as the pastor, but in reality we all bear a responsibility because we're called to look after each other in that way. So the statement here, one way I could protect our people from falling away and being hardened by sin would be to what? What comes to your mind when you think about what you could do to help protect your fellow Christians here? And Matt Hagler is involved in several ways. He, he's the moderator of our board this year, and he's on our youth team working with the youth. And both of those have an effect on helping to protect people from falling away. Betty Ruth helps uh, get the bulletin printed and copied and folded and out every day. And that contributes to making the weekly service run well. And that helps. The fact that our weekly service can run well helps people not to fall away. Karen, uh, being our Sunday school superintendent, she's got responsibilities over all variety of things related to our kids and our Sunday school and children's church and nursery, and that's just such important work. Uh, one of the big reasons people do kind of fall away is that it's hard with young children just to get out and get here. So caring for the kids is huge. As you think about what you could do, it, it may be you may just realize I'm more of a worker. I'm willing to volunteer and do what somebody tells me to do. I'm not really somebody that's going to think of new ideas. We need more workers than we need idea people because most ideas require multiple people to carry it out. You may be someone who feels that you could open your home for lunch on Sundays and invite different people over just to establish more relational connections with people and discuss what we learned on Sunday morning. That would be awesome. You may realize you're on your phone all the time anyway. I'll load everybody's contact information in there once I get that new directory and just systematically couple times every week, just get in touch with people. Just try to stay in touch, especially with those that I see missing on Sunday morning. I will just pick up the phone and, and keep in contact with anybody that becomes missing. Whatever comes to mind, write it down. And the last one, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we are responsible for protecting each other from drifting away, and we're also responsible for keeping each other motivated and encouraged and stirred up to obedience to God's word and love and good works. So the statement here, the last one, I think I can motivate our people to love and good works by what? What could you do? to help motivate the folks of the church to love and good works. Mentioned here is just meeting together with an intentional mindset to encourage people while you're here. Just your presence here has a positive effect, just as your absence would have a negative effect. I mean, you know that feeling of coming here and realizing, oh man, this is a low turnout Sunday. It has a dampening effect on our zeal. Whereas when you come and like, man, everybody is here. We all agree that this is an important priority. It has a, a boost, an effect on our zeal for Christ. So even just being here is huge. And then being here with an intentional mindset of, I'm going to try to encourage at least somebody with some encouraging words. Or it might be serving in an official capacity. Mark 
Jameson provides me a great deal of this encouragement. He's on our pastoral support team. We meet on Tuesdays and pray together, and uh, he's also a deacon. Lee, with his music, has encouraged us many Sundays and always present in the prayer meeting as we pray. Uh, Will Boston's not here, but he has often taken the initiative to reach out to some of the other young men of the church, just relationally, and I think that's had an encouraging effect. As you think about what you could do, you might feel drawn to pray over our youngest children. Maybe you should get involved in the nursery just to have some time once a month to pray over those little ones. Uh, you may feel you would like to be in more of a leadership position because you've got some ideas that might help stir up the church to love and good works. Uh, it may be that you would like to go around and visit with folks who are sick or ill or homebound more often for encouragement. You may just be a really good gift giver, and so you might want to lean into that and think thoughtfully about what maybe I could give a gift this month, this week, that would encourage somebody who, who needs it. Okay, so we've been through these eight statements. These are biblical ways of thinking. More important than what you write down on the page right now, and I hope that you'll write down your thoughts and, and hand those in to me so I can kind of see what you're thinking. Uh, but more important than that is that we learn to be thinking this way. As we think about the church and our place in the church, that we not be thinking so much about what we can get from it, but what is my role here? What is my calling here? What has the Lord placed me in this fellowship to do to build up the body of Christ? Because it's something. You have the Holy Spirit for something. And we will continue to dream together and adjust constantly and hopefully over time get people into their right spots where they feel passionate and fruitful and uh, enough people in the right spots to where people aren't having to do eight, nine different things for things to run. Um, even as a small church, it takes a lot of people just to keep things running smoothly. As you can see from the insert and out there on the bulletin board, things that the nominating committee is going to be working on. As we close out this little exercise, get ready for communion. I just want to remind you, we get to be the church together. We do not deserve this privilege at all. God could have just left us alone in our sin, isolated and alone and hiding our sin and just reveling in it, but he picked us up out of that and let us be a part of his glorious work together, and it's, it's awesome. And I'm so thankful for you being a part of the church, being a part of this, this local, this expression of the bride of Christ, the living temple, the kingdom embassy, the flock of God, the household of God, the body of Christ. I really appreciate you guys. Many of you are serving in ways that the rest of the church doesn't even realize. and But God sees it, and it is so valuable to him. And many of you are working really hard, and I really appreciate it. I know you have, your callings are manifold. You have your families and your work, and um, I really appreciate how this church prioritizes being the church together. And I want to serve you as best I can to facilitate that.